church? Good evening. Before I get started, just before I came up this evening, I received a, a message from that my dear sister down the hill, and I'd like to ask if you join me in prayer. Um, she couldn't be here tonight. She really wanted to be here, and she's ministering to a family who just lost their father, and they have three kids. And I know my sister, and I know her heart. So I pray that you guys would just join me. So let's just bow our heads in a moment. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and we just lift up this situation. Father, where our dear brother has, has passed away, and I pray that you would just be with my dear sister Ingrid as she ministers to this wife and these three children. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to make sense of something that just doesn't make sense sometimes. And that you would just pour out your spirit, Father God, on them and on my dear sister. So, Lord, touch your heart. Be with them the coming days ahead, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm finally so excited to be here. It's, it's been just an incredible nine weeks. It's been um, incredible to hear what the brothers have shared, what they have brought, what the Lord has put on their hearts. And I'm just excited to share my section of Scripture and my section of scripture is going to be Matthew chapter, chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. And I just pray that it blesses you tonight. The Sermon on the Mount is an incredible piece of scripture as we've been studying. And the book of Matthew is a wonderful book to study. I particularly love the book of Matthew because of the fact that it's the first book in the New Testament. It reminds me of the book of Genesis. As Genesis is the old, the first book in the Old Testament. And Matthew is unique. As I began to study, I found out that Matthew records more Old Testament prophecies than any other Gospels to outline what he brought to what he wrote. Matthew also referred to the kingdom of heaven 32 times. And he referred to the word kingdom 50 times. And I believe it set the foundation for who's going to establish this kingdom. And our, that, that is our Lord Jesus Christ who will be our king. Well, Matthew was written to the nation of Israel. It was penned in Hebrew by a Jew for a Jew for the religious man of that time. I relate to this man, Matthew. Here was this tax collector. He was a thief who lined the, his pockets with the money that he collected. And he was hated for what he did. He was a sellout to the Roman government. And I could see this man sitting at the gate of the city collecting the tax 
and not really having any friends. He was probably just this lonely guy with acquaintances who kind of just sought after his riches. What I relate to is, like Matthew, I lined my pockets at one time from my brethren by selling drugs. And I was always knew that there were certain people that hated me for what I did. I was sold out to the scheme of Satan completely. I had really no friends, only those people that just wanted what I had. But the thing that touches me about Matthew, and the thing that I relate to, is like Matthew, when I saw Jesus, I knew that I had to follow him. I knew that I had a friend. One that would stick closer to me than a brother. I knew that Jesus would make me a new creation. And I knew that I could put my trust in him. So before I get started, I just want to share this. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, believe me, he can and he will do all of these things. If you only believe that he died for our sin and he rose again from the dead we need to repent of our sin and we need to just follow him in simple obedience that's all he asks just a relationship with him well I wanted to start by looking back at the beginning and I wanted just to touch on a few things in chapter 5 we see Jesus as he opens as Matthew opens the book we see Jesus up on a mountain Like so many other times in Scripture, Jesus would go up on a mountain to pray and to commune with His Father. Jesus was a man of prayer. Whether it was late at night, whether it was early in the morning, He would have time with His Father. And there's an application there for us. We need that intimate time. We need to make that time. We all need time of prayer with our Father. If it was important to Jesus, it should be important to us. Well, up on the mountain, I see Jesus as He sees the multitudes. And I began to wonder as He looked down, was He moved with compassion? Like we see in the other scriptures. If you turn to me with me, Matthew 9.36, I'd like to read one of the first scriptures that I have. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. And then if you go a few more pages over in Matthew 14, 14. Again, Matthew writes, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. 
And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. Give them something to eat. I find this very interesting when he says that, give them something to eat. These people were hungry. And Jesus said to his disciples, feed them. I think Jesus wanted his disciples to feed them more than physical food. I believe there's a spiritual illustration here. I believe Jesus wanted to instruct his disciples in ministry to feed him his word, to preach and to teach and to be involved in the lives of these people. We need to do the same. We need to be doers of his word, not hearers only. We heard Zeke so eloquently say that, preach on that last Sunday if you were here. We need to be doers. We need to go out and just see what the Lord would have us to do in ministry, in sharing, in just touching other people's lives for Jesus. Jesus needed disciples with shepherds' hearts, with an open heart, to tend to his sheep, to tend to these people, to feed them, he needs us. He needs all of us. We need to come with that same kind of compassion that Jesus had. To all those who are weary and to all those who are scattered, to all have gone astray. Just like me when I went astray, the person that shared Jesus with me in the midst of all my depravity, he brought me back. And we have that word of life. We have that opportunity. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. So as we see his disciples come to him, these 12 guys, these 12 guys that answered his call from all different backgrounds, he takes these ordinary people, these ordinary guys, just like you and me, and he begins to just pour out from his heart these incredible principles of kingdom living. This incredible Sermon on the Mount that, to guide them. And these same principles guide us. Now I'm sure on that mount there were many other followers who heard all of these teachings as well. And there were many other people that heard his teaching and it fell on deaf ears. But the one thing I do know is that on that day, his word went forward. Well, like I was saying, we spent nine weeks in the Beatitudes and the other principles of te Jesus' teachings. So now I'd like to begin in chapter 7. This is where Jesus is now teaching us on our relationship with others. So let us read from chapter 7, verses 1 to 12.
Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them, trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? But you then, being evil, know how much to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Lord, what an incredible section of Scripture. What an incredible sermon that you've laid out for us. May we take this and all those that we've learned, Father God, and apply them to our heart. May we just use them, Father God, in our daily lives as we not only search out what you want for us, but what we want for others. So Lord, speak to us tonight. I invite your Holy Spirit here. I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The first thing Jesus is saying here is that he wants to deal with judging others. But is Jesus asking us not to judge? No, I think, I know he's addressing how we can be critical to others. How we can be harsh and how we can be bishop vicious in our judgment. And that's not what we're to do. There are times when we have this attitude where we can do a lot of damage and we can really hurt someone, especially those close to us. If we use these critical judgmental attitudes, know this from experience, when I began to study this and began to prepare, Zeke, when he first shared to me what was on his heart, and he asked me to pray about what topic I would teach on. 
I can remember in my own heart thinking, I want to do the blessings. I want to do chapter 5. I want to say, those who hunger and thirst in righteousness, you know, I, I just, I want to do that, God. I want to, I could be all about that. I could do that. But I can remember in prayer, the Lord just speaking to me so clearly and saying to me, I want you to teach, and I want you to teach chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. And I can remember when all of us got together and we were praying and sharing, and, and Zeke asked us, um, has anybody, has the Lord spoke to anybody on what they would like to share? I remember I was the first guy to raise a hand. I was like, dude, I already know. God's already been dealing with me with this thing. He's already been sharing with me, and he's already been just had his finger on my heart over this. This study has been so dear to my heart. It has really made me see myself. To see really how critical and judgmental I was. It showed me how I treated others, especially my family. This scripture showed me that I had sin in my life. And that I needed to repent. And not only did I needed to repent. I needed to ask forgiveness from my wife. Angela. Told me not to look at her when I said this. (laughs) And I needed to ask. Forgiveness from my precious daughter Julia. And there's still others that I still. Still need to do the same thing. Because I know that there were times when I was just, I was terrible. But in all that, we are to judge, but don't be misled. We are not to judge critically. We are to judge someone by the fruits in their life. Not something that we cannot see. And there's a really good example in the Bible, and I want to share this with you. So if you turn to the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, we'll go to 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, And he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and one poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children, and it ate his own food and drank from his own cup and and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the land, because he did this thing because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are that man. 
Thus says the Lord of God Israel, I will anoint you king over all Israel and deliver you from the hand of Saul. Here was David. He had judged critically without even knowing anything and he was judging on his own self. You can't, you can't react like that. So what are we to do? Instead of being critical and judgmental, we are to love when we're correcting others. And a good illustration of that is if we go to Galatians 6 1. It says, Brother, if you are overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you all be tempted. Paul here is saying, We need to come in a spirit of humility with a heart of compassion and a heart of grace. We need to come in love. The important thing there says considering yourself because maybe we have done those same sins. So if we see the fruits of sin in somebody, we need to come to them with the same attitude. I like the way Jesus shows us how we should come to someone. And we see that in John 8, verses 3 through 11. So let me read. If you like, you could turn. John 8, verses 3 through 11. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought him to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst... They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They said this, testing him, because they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though, they did, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up. And said to them, Who is without sin among you? Let him throw the, a stone at her first. And then he stooped down. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I love Jesus' attitude here in confronting the sin. And I like the way he dealt with these Pharisees. He just bent down and... I think I, I've heard people say, when I get to heaven, I want to know what he wrote. You know, whatever he wrote, it convicted the hearts of these guys. 
It was just a simple, quiet judgment on those guys that said, all right, throw the first stone, come on. And they all went away. And it's interesting because they didn't even bother consider their own sin before they brought this woman. And Jesus pointed it out to them. And Jesus was so filled with mercy and grace toward this gal. There were no accusations. He just was filled with his love and compassion and said, go and sin no more. When we have this attitude of love and compassion, we also need to temper it with the word of God and with discernment. And Paul writes in first in Philippians chapter one verse nine. He writes, And this I pray that your love may still may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's saying here, we need to let our love abound when we correct others. And it needs to be based on the Word of God. That's the most important thing. So if we need to bring correction to somebody, we have the spiritual awareness to make decisions that will glorify God. And then at the end of Matthew, in the end of this verse, it says, And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If we do these things, if we correct somebody, if we see sin in somebody, and we do it with this heart of humility, if we do this with mercy and grace, if we do this in love, it will come back to us. The way we treat others will eventually come back to us. If we treat others harshly or judgmentally, that will come back to us. As I looked at myself, I wanted it here. That David Jenks. I love that guy. He was so full of love. I want to hear that David Jenks. He was the most harsh and judgmental person I ever met. I want to hear the first thing. I want to hear, man, that guy, he really had a, a heart. Well, verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Jesus is saying here, essentially, why do you focus on the little sin in your brother's life when you have ten times hundred times larger sin in your own. You don't even see it. 
It's interesting because why is it that, that our sin always looks so much uglier on others? And why do we look at other sin and not our own? I mean, it's so easy to do. And why do we do that? Does it make us feel better? Is it to justify ourselves? Is it, are we just being self-righteous? So as he says in verse 4, How can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck out of your eye and look? A plank is in your own eye? Jesus is saying, How can we go about judging others? And we haven't even looked at our own life. We haven't even looked at our own heart. We haven't even looked at our own self. And we haven't even looked at our own motives. Then he goes on and he says, Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. We don't look at ourselves. We're hypocrites. If there's not a change in our heart, we're two-faced. What Jesus is saying here. We're actors. The word hypocrite meant actor, meant two-faced, meant a man of many faces. We were just acting like a phony. You know, in those days, it was the actors, they had those masks, and one was happy, and the other one was sad, and the other one was, you know, scared, the other one. They were a man of many faces. We just need to have one face, and that's the face of Jesus. We need to focus on our own sin. We need to focus on our own self. Then, as Jesus says, we can see clearly to help others. Well, then in verse 6 he says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. When I read this verse, it reminded me of a story. Something that happened to me years ago when uh, I was at work. And then I think about it. It was, it was kind of funny. I was driving with uh, my workmate, and we were talking about the Bible. And we were talking about, you know, Barna. I think it was a Barna um, survey said 70% of Americans think they're Christians. And he's asking me, he said, do you think that's true? I says, you know, I don't know, but I do know one thing. To be a Christian, you need to believe in the whole counsel of God. You need to believe in the Bible. And unfortunately, a lot of people just pick and choose what they believe or they don't believe in the Bible at all. And he's going, really? And I go, yeah, really? I go, I tell you what, I go, the first person that we see, I'm going to ask that question. Do, they, do you believe in the Bible? And so we were driving, and we came to the 7-Eleven. I'll never forget, we turned into the 7-Eleven, and there was like a big bread truck, and we parked by the bread truck, and I got out, and I go, Chase, I'm going to ask the first person. And I could see, like, somebody moving on the other side of the bread truck, and I thought maybe it was the bread guy, you know, getting his stuff out. So I walk around the truck, and I, as soon as I get to the other side, there was this huge biker guy. I mean, 
He was like six foot thirteen. He was huge. And I just looked at him and I go, Oh my I'm gonna die. And and I go, Can I ask you a question? And he goes, Sure. And I go, Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? And he just immediately just his whole temperament changed. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't believe that S. And I was like, Yeah. And my buddy Chase, he's just like standing behind me. And, and I go, you mean to tell me you really don't believe in the Word of God? And he goes, I told you I don't believe. That was enough I needed to hear. We walked into 7-Eleven. I remember I was getting my copy. I was like, holy mackerel, man. I don't believe that. I said, God, that was such a Holy Ghost set up. Oh, my goodness. But that's what Jesus is saying here, because not everybody wants to hear what we have to say, whether it's bringing the gospel or whether it's bringing correction. He's saying here, do not, what, do not give what is holy to the dogs. We have been given the privilege of handling God's word. And we need to be aware of who we're sharing it with. We need to exercise discernment. When he says, do not give it to the dogs and the swine, he was given the example of these two animals in his time that were dirty, they were diseased, they were just a greedy, vicious scavenger who just roamed around. These dogs... We see in the description when Jezebel, Ahab's wife, gets thrown off of the wall and the dogs come and just, just gnarly eat her. The only thing that was left was just her skull and her hands and her feet. It's the kind of dogs that Jesus is talking about. Just, just vicious, just greedy, just all for themselves and nobody else. And he relates to the pig as well. You know, we, you know, I watch TV a lot, and I turn on the TV, and I see that show, Pig Hunters. You know, you see that cowboy guy and his wife and his daughter, and they go out and they hunt down these hogs. And, and I guess these hogs are like taking over a lot of different places and causing a lot of damage. And you know, that's the kind of animal that Jesus was giving us the illustration of. These animals, both of them, they can kill us. If given the chance, Jesus is saying people are like that. They can turn on you and they can kill you. They can hurt you. Most importantly, they will step on what's precious. They will step on the precious word of God because they don't care about it. And a lot of times people, if we share in love and correction, they won't accept it as well and they'll turn on us. And they can hurt us. So as Jesus gives us that instruction to be discerning, how do we discern? And we get that in in verse 7. And he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives... And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open to you. 
These verses are the principles of prayer. Whether not only if it's in correction, but if we can apply this in all areas of our life. When we're ministering to someone, whether we're sharing the gospel or bringing correction, we need to take all situations to prayer. We need to ask. We need to seek. And we need to knock for the things we need. If I need direction, if I need help, if I need discernment, if I need wisdom, Jesus is saying, ask, seek, knock. And we need to be persistent. We need to keep asking. We need to keep seeking. We need to keep knocking. We need to be persistent in our prayers. Because you notice there's a promise here. He says, He who knocks, it will be open. Jesus says here, He wants to give us what we desire in our time of need. He wants to give us the answers that we need if we ask, if we seek, if we knock. James gives a very important comment. And we had just studied this. And he speaks in James 1, verses 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So in those times and in those situations, God will give to us. And he'll give us all that we need. And then we see in verse 9 through 11, we see how God will answer. It says, or what, I mean 9 through 11, excuse me. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how much to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Well, how will God answer us when we pray? Jesus is saying here, if our children ask us for some food, even in our fallen nature, we don't give them something useless or harmful. We give him the best because we love him. How much more our Heavenly Father wants to give us. He wants to give us the very best. And it's interesting as we read this here. If we go to Luke 11.13, Luke goes deeper in this. And Luke says, Chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how much to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us with our prayers. He gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us discernment. And to give us wisdom. 
This is such a blessing. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us His Spirit to just greatly pour it out onto us. All what we need. So, Jesus wraps us up in verse 12. And He says, Therefore, Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus essentially, he goes right back to the beginning. He says, don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't be critical of others. Show kindness, humility, and love. And people will do likewise to you. Then this is the last is the most beautiful when he's and he sums this all up. And he sums this all up in a beautiful way when he says, For this is the law and the prophets. If we turn to Matthew twenty two, verses thirty six through forty, we'll read this. A lawyer comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. He says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's a beautiful way to end this section of Scripture. To love our Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind. If we focus on that, if we focus on His Word, those critical thoughts, those judgmental attitudes will fall away if we keep our, our face on Jesus, we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our heart close to Him. <coughs> we're in His Word, if we're in prayer. As we do this, we go out. We be doers of the word. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's an interesting thing. We need to love ourselves. We need to love ourselves in Jesus. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to wash us. And now no condemnation that comes from the enemy give us fear, doubt, or unbelief. Because we're finally and uniquely created. That's what we need to focus on. So in summary, in all of chapter 7, what Jesus again is saying is don't be judgmental or critical. Be careful of being self-righteous. Be quick to repentance. Be real. Be discerning. Be in prayer. Be sensitive 
to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And most of all, love others as you love your Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this incredible section of Scripture. We pray, Lord, that as we deal with others, Lord, that that would be on the front of our mind, that we would see people in love, that we would see sin and we would deal with sin, but we would do it in a way, Father God, that would be pleasing to you. So, Father, when we do that, we need to seek you first. We need to have an attitude of prayer, and, Father God, we ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us always keep our mind on you, Lord, and help us to love others, Lord, as you love them. We thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.